Today, me and Rob want to talk about some sneaky running back picks that we have heading into the 2020 fantasy season. The reason we want to talk about these guys are because of fantasy sleepers. We love sleepers, and I assume so do you. The problem with it is, if you're like me and Rob, you may be in some very competitive leagues. And if you're in competitive leagues with, you know, 10, 11, 12 really smart fantasy owners, sleepers are hard to come by because everyone is on top of them. It's very difficult to just get that easy steal where, boom, you get this just monster guy late. And it's like, how did Christian McCaffrey fall to the ninth pick in the first round? Like, that doesn't happen in competitive leagues. And so what you have to do is, yeah, you want to get some sleepers, but you got to start looking elsewhere. And I think sneaky picks is where... Where it is. This, uh, you know, sneaky guys are not exactly going to far and away outperform their ADP, but they are by a little bit. And while you love to get one big sleeper that's a home run pick, it, you know, you can make up for that if you don't end up getting that, or even if you can tack this on top of that, just three or four guys who slightly outweigh their value. And, and that's what's really hopefully we're doing here, looking at some guys that aren't going to be monstrous steals, but it's the little thing. So we're going to chip away at it and slowly put together a stud championship ready fantasy roster. So that's what we're going to be doing today. Uh, but let's just get right into it, guys. Rob, you've got the first player. Let's get going. So uh, when we talked about doing the video for me, uh, you said, hey, you want to do a sneaky back video? And I always say, OK, what is that? You know, what's that going to look like? What's the definition for that? Uh, to me, that's really key. Because when I look at sleeping, you know, kind of a sleepers versus sneaky backs, you know, the line there is pretty close. Another word that I use is players that are coming under the radar. And so that's kind of what I would describe it as. And the first player that comes to mind for me as a sneaky pick would be Alexander Madison, the running back, the second year running back for the Minnesota Vikings. Now, uh, why do I think he's sneaky? Well, for starters, if you look at his average draft position, currently he's a 38th running back being taken. That leaves him as an RB4 in 12-team leagues. Um, yet I see some real potential. This guy could potentially and realistically become a running back two next year, and I'll get into why in a second. Now, I think most owners, they look at him and they think about Alexander Madison. Uh, typically, he's going to be a handcuff for Dalvin Cook owners. You have Dalvin Cook in a league, mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, in a keeper league, in fact. Yeah. So I think that's how we view him. But I think he's got more value than your typical backup. Um, I think he has actually a much higher ceiling than most handcuffs out there for four reasons. Here are the four reasons why. One is performance. Two, Dalvin Cook's history of health problems. Three, the Vikings' cap issues and future considerations. And number four, I think he's in the right situation. Uh, why I think, once again, this guy is a sneaky play and has a lot more potential. I want to start right now with Dalvin Cook's um, history of health problems. Now, coming out of college, if you entered the draft, there was a lot of experts that were concerned about his durability. Dalvin Cook, that was what they kept talking about over. Very talented, very explosive, but can he be durable? Um, now, he didn't miss a lot of games in college, but he was rarely 100%. He was banged up off and had a lot of health issues there. He enters the NFL and tears his ACL as a rookie. Um, he's not played one full NFL season in the NFL. In fact, um, he's missed 19 out of a total of 48 games in his career. That's 40% of the games he's missed due to injury. So, like, that's a major red flag right there. Uh, so when I look at that right now, I look at uh, Madison. For me, he, he's one play, one cut, one hit away from being the starter in that offense. And I don't think this is a pipe dream. Now, I mean, we could say that for anybody, but I think in his situation, that's a very realistic possibility. Two, the Vikings. They got cap issues, and they have a lot of future considerations. Now, if you follow the Vikings closely, and we do because we live in Minnesota, we're Vikings fans. They entered the 2020 season, and they're very cap-strapped, and, uh, and they lost some key players due to that. And a lot of that was due to the fact that uh, they had some very large contracts with a few key players. And I think it's easy to assume that if you look at Spielman, the Vikings GM there, that uh, the Vikings don't want to find themselves in that predicament again, uh, especially at the running back position. Would you want to put a lot of money into that? See, now, when I look at running backs and what you're going to pay them, I think there's a trend, there's a shift in the NFL. Now, 
apart from Christian McCaffrey, which by the way, Christian McCaffrey is setting NFL records. I mean, he's a once in a lifetime talent, okay? So I think he's the exception to the rule. Other than him, um, running back signing large-term contracts, I think is not gonna be the trend uh, for a few reasons. One, um, very recent big contracts, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, are really backfired on some teams. So I think right away, a lot of teams are gonna be very hesitant to put money into running backs after what happened with those two backs there. Um, another thing I think that's hurting Dalvin Cook, um, staying with the Vikings, getting a long-term deal, is the fact that the one position in the NFL that they've shown time and time again recently that uh, rookies can come in and be successful are running backs. Uh, they can immediately come to the league and not just have success, but they can carry their team as far as being a starting back goes. And what that shows a lot of teams is they don't need to lock up a costly veteran, uh, especially when you look at the lifetime of a running back. That window uh, is so much smaller. And currently, Cook's going to be a free agent next year. There's already been some speculation where he might go. There's been some talk. I saw a couple days ago that maybe he could land in Miami. And I think that's important to remember because he went to college in Florida there. So look at uh, Alexander Madison's age and play. It could create a nice problem for the Vikings. No need to sign a big contract to Dalvin Cook with his health history. The Vikings could develop Alexander Madison as a potential future back on that team. Uh, I also think that Madison's in the right situation. Um, the offensive line has improved greatly in the last year or so. Uh, the Vikings have drafted some guys that have worked hard to improve it, and the offensive line is starting to improve, and it's showing. They've got a great run scheme there with their zone block with Kubiak. In fact, uh, some might point out the concern for the departure of offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski, right? Is that going to cause problems for the Vikings um, now that Kubiak has become the uh, offensive coordinator? Um, personally, um, I feel very strongly in this. I did last year that I think losing Stefanski and now having Kubiak as offensive coordinator doesn't hurt the team. In fact, I think it makes us better. I said last year, actually, in one of our videos, I said in our videos last year, if you watch this, that Kubiak is really the key to that offense. And sure enough, his scheme running game, the zone blocking scheme that he has, has immediately turned around a Vikings running game that was terrible. Last year, the Vikings offensive lines were six in run blocking. They were six in rushing yards in 2019, which is a drastic and dramatic increase from 2018 when they were 30th year before in the league. Uh, they turned things around quite a bit there. I think it's important you have good supporting weapons around. I don't care how talented you are. If you don't have good talent, you're not going to be successful. You're not going to be productive. I think about Todd Gurley. Came out his rookie year. The guy was amazing. But his second year, his yards per carry fell out to 3.2 because he had a really poor offense around him. So great players still need good supporting weapons around him. I think he has that. Kirk Cousins uh, had a career year last year. He's a very solid quarterback. Adam Thielen is a good wide receiver. Uh, Kyle Rudolph is a, a solid tight end. Then you add to that a guy that I like personally quite a bit, which is tight end Irv Smith. I feel like tight end Irv Smith is uh, going to be a great offensive weapon in the NFL. So that gives the Vikings some solid weapons to keep those defenses honest. And then uh, if you look at the final thing here is uh, you look at Alexander Madison's performance last year. He was very solid as a rookie. 4.6 yards per carry. He had 462 total yards. Uh, he finished 16th in the league in yards after contact, which is solid among qualified backs. He was 26 in a loose rating, and he was third in breakaway percentage. If you look at Pro Football Focus breakaway percentage, it shows which runners earn the highest percentage of yardage on big plays, which is 15 yards or more. Um, now, four times last year, he did receive double-digit carries. And I think for me, that's a good test. Like, okay, yeah, it's one thing if you know you get three, four carries a game, you have a great yards per carry, that can be very situational. But what does he do when he gets the ball, gets the rock a lot? Well, four times last year, he had double-digit carries. And to me, that's a good test if he can handle an expanded role. In those four games with double-digit carries, he had 53 carries for 228 yards and a 4.3 yards per carry. That's very solid, especially when you consider the fact that he's a rookie. Um, 
and physically, I think he's got the body that can handle um, playing in all three downs. He's 5'11", 220. Now, I do say this. I do think he's got a little more value next year in probably dynasty leagues as you project to 2021. And the guy's still really young at 21 years old. It means he's got room to grow. Now, I want to make sure I say this because I know some people are going to think that I'm saying he's better than Dalvin Cook. I'm not saying that. Okay? He's not as talented and he's not as explosive as Dalvin Cook. Okay? Let's put that out there. But he come very cheap for you. And he could be a strong running back to play if things fall his way. So that's my first guy. Any thoughts on that? You know, the only thought I have to add to that is uh, from a fancy philosophy perspective, there are so many people who just they don't want to think about injuries with with I can't predict injuries. So I'm not going to worry about it. That's the attitude that people have. And yet injuries can absolutely screw your season. You have had the unfortunate luck one year. You had two top five PPR running backs that year. It was Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Charles, and they both got hurt. Am I not correct? Yeah. Uh, you got to be ready for that. And so one of the things to note is you may not even have to draft this guy, but keep him on your radar and keep Dalvin Cook's health in check. Just monitor that and we'll see. And then, of course, I always love to just keep monitoring in the offseason and kind of watch what's happening news. And uh, But anyways, I love this pick. I completely agree with it, but I got a guy I'm excited about. So let's get to my first pick. So the guy I really want to talk about first is Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones is a guy that I think is really exciting right now as a sneaky running back pick, um, but not because he's an exciting player. One of the reasons he fits under this category is because he's not the most talented running back in the NFL. Comes out his rookie year, and I think some people were excited about him, but he really disappointed his rookie year. And the second year was far from amazing, though it was definitely better, and we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but I think everyone has realized he's not a Christian McCaffrey, an Alvin Kamara. He's not a Barkley, a Zeke. He's none of those guys. And for that reason, he's just kind of dropping down the fantasy rankings. And yet, there's a lot more to the story than just your talent. One, I think he's talented enough. And two, it's about opportunity and situation. And that is something I absolutely think that he has going for him. It's also something I think fantasy owners are drastically underestimating this season. So as we look into it, his rookie year, he averaged just 1.9 yards per carry. That is absolutely awful, and honestly, there's really no defending that. But his second year, that yards per carry jumped to 4.2. His yards per carry over doubled. In fact, he had 2.3 more yards per carry from his first to his second year. And part of that might be down to a much improved Tampa Bay offensive line, which went from third worst in the NFL to 13th best in run blocking efficiency. So not only do you say, hey, third worst is probably part of the reason he struggled so much his rookie year, but now they're kind of sneaking up there towards that top third of the NFL, towards having one of the better offensive lines. But also they go out and add Tristan Wirfs with the 13th pick in the NFL draft. And I think that is absolutely huge. For many people, he was the top offensive lineman in the NFL draft. This is a guy who played for the Iowa Hawkeyes and as a true freshman was a starter for a college that produces NFL stud offensive linemen like just right off of like it's just an assembly line. And then he played three years and boom, he's out. In fact, Tampa Bay liked him so much, they traded with San Francisco to move up a little bit and grab him. And for, like I said, for many people, he was the top offensive lineman in this draft. I think this is going to be one of the top offensive lines in the NFL. And I really do mean that. And what it kind of reminds me of is a couple of years ago when the Indianapolis Colts drafted Quentin Nelson as a guard. He comes in and boom, big improvements on the offensive line. I think we could see a somewhat similar, not as drastic improvement to this line. And that's going to be something that's seriously going to help him. Just having good blocking up front, it does mean everything. Well, I don't think he's the most talented running back out there. And I want to say that a few times over because I think every time I talk good or bad about a player, everyone kind of takes it out of proportion. But 
He does remind me of a particular player. Back in 2016, LeGarrette Blunt, running for the New England Patriots, ran just 3.9 yards per carry. And I would like to say that 3.9 yards per carry is pretty stinking bad, but he did have 18 touchdowns. Why? Because LeGarrette Blunt was not the best runner in the NFL, but you know who he was? He was in the right situation. He was in a Patriots offense back in 2016 that was moving the ball and they were scoring points. They get down to the five yard line and hey, Blunt, we just need you to get a couple of yards and boom, there's some fantasy points. And that could very well be a similar situation in Tampa Bay. They have so many weapons. Of course, you've got Tom Brady, quarterback. You had Gronkowski. In fact, they got a plethora of solid tight ends. The best receiving duo in the NFL. I fully believe that. Evans and Godwin are insane. And Bruce Arians, who is a very offensive-minded coach, shown to be able to produce just pretty much any quarterback into a stud. Carson Palmer had his best season with Bruce Arians. He threw 35 touchdowns with the Cardinals and Arians. Of course, we see Jameis Winston led the NFL in passing yards, and now nobody even wants him. I think that's quite a sign as to what Bruce Arians is able to do for an offense. But ultimately, for me, I see this as a guy who's just going to be able to capitalize on the right situation. Now, to address the one concern that I know people have, that's the drafting of Keyshawn Vaughn at running back. I know that's a concern people, some people have, and I think a lot of people see Keyshawn Vaughn as a sleeper, as this stud guy who could step in and be the starter. I don't see that. For a lot of reasons, I think they just drafted a running back because they just lost Peyton Barber in for, uh, this offseason, and you just need to get another running back. And this was a real trend this offseason. The Baltimore Ravens just set an NFL record for most team rushing yards in a single season, and you know what they did? They drafted a running back in the second round. You know what? Aaron Jones just exploded onto the scene and finished as the second highest PPR fantasy running back last year. And what did they do? They also drafted a running back in the second round. Seems very common for a lot of teams. The Colts, Marlon Mack just had his first thousand yard season and they drafted a running back. You know how many teams in the second round drafted a running back and yet the Tampa Bay Buccaneers waited till the third round. Seems very interesting that the Ravens would take a running back in the second round and the Bucks would wait till the third round. That shows for me that I don't think they feel like they needed a running back quite as much as some people are excited about Keyshawn Vaughn, who is not the top prospect in the draft. It's not like they went out and added a Jonathan Taylor, or a lot of other guys like that, who I felt like could step in from day one and be a very talented player. But Rob, I want to hear if you have any thoughts on this, because that's for me, it's all about situation. He's a talented enough running back in an amazing situation. Yeah, the guy disappointed the uh, first year undoubtedly. We didn't even get to talk about that. He was brutal. Um, but the coach is really pleased with his hard work and the progress he made last year. His progression was good and solid. Uh, trending in the right direction. I love that. And we talked about supporting cast. Well, he's got a great supporting cast. This guy's not going to see a lot of loaded boxes, right? Like he's an afterthought in that offense. And so, yeah, I think he's in the right situation. So, uh, yeah, I feel like it's a real solid pick. All right. Well, that's Ronald Jones. Rob, let's get to your next guy. So maybe I'm uh, going to cheat here a little bit. I didn't go with a, a sneaky player, but I went with a, a team. And uh, maybe that's not fair, but I'll tell you why I do this. I think often finding sleepers or sneaky players is more about watching and finding the right situation than it is finding the right players. So for me, a, a sneaky situation out there that could have huge value is the Jacksonville Jaguars running back situation. Now, um, obviously, when I talk about that, obviously, I can't mean watch Leonard Fournette, right? Like, that's a no-brainer. Uh, currently, he's a team starter, a clear-cut starter. And they didn't draft any running backs. You talk about uh, a team that could have drafted a back, and they didn't. Um, but for me, I think there's a back on here that could rise to the top and surprise many others um, and surprise a lot of people, and you could get yourself a nice uh, sleeper or a sneaky back, whatever you want to call it. And it could fall right in that category. An example of this, I would say, is the undrafted free agent Arian Foster in 2010, who turned out to be a great running back there. 
Now, what opens the possible door for a running back to sneak out of that pack other than Leonard Fournette? Um, what could happen? Why do I think that? Well, one reason why I think that could happen is the Jaguars have declined their option on Leonard Fournette for 2021. They made it pretty clear they're not going to bring him back, uh, at least not currently as it stands. They're not, they have no plans on bringing him back in the future there. But I think there's two reasons why that's happening, why they're not going to bring him back. One is his performance, and two is chemistry. As we know on a team, if you're going to build a future uh, franchise that's successful year in and year out, you've got to have the right chemistry. That's so important. Obviously, the Patriots tell us. Uh, they teach us that every year, although I, I can't wait to see what they do this year now that uh, Tom Brady's not there. We'll talk about chemistry real quickly there. Now, if you look at Leonard Fournette last year, from what we know, from what we hear, sounds like the guy actually behaved himself. Um, he stayed out of trouble and, for the most part, was a positive team player, and that was good. But his first two years, um, his behavior and some of the things that he did really wore thin on Jags brass. They really got tired of his games there. Uh, he had a fight uh, in a game against uh, Buffalo Bills. He had a one-game suspension. There's a lot of rumors going around there for the first two years. That front office was not pleased with his behavior, his commitment to the team and the game. And a lot of it actually bowled over in a 20-3 loss to Houston on the final game of his season there. There's a lot of reports that the Jaguars have shopped him around, looked at trading him. And what's also telling, not only that they were shopping him around, but that no teams were interested in him. So that tells you a little something about where he's at right now. I think there's a number of situations that showed that this guy could be a negative influence, and I think that's one reason why they're looking at not bringing him back. And then the other one is his performance. Um, his performance has not instilled a lot of confidence in me and a lot of people out there. I don't feel very good about that. Now, last year, uh, last year actually had a nice year. Uh, last year, he had a 4.3 yards per carry. That's decent. I wouldn't say it's great. Uh, and he did have 76 catches, which is very nice, although they played from behind quite a bit there. But if you look at the metrics, um, he was 51st in running back rating by pro football focus. That's not very good to be 51st. That takes a lot of things into account. Elusive rating, breakaway speed, you know, context, yards after contact, you name it. It takes a lot of metrics into account there. And he was 51st, so that's not very good there. And I think it's important to remember that the first two years, he was a colossal disappointment. One year at 3.3 yards per carry, his rookie year is 3.9. Uh, cumulatively, that's 3.8 yards per carry. And for his career, only 4.0. That's not good at all. Uh, even if he goes out and he has a solid year this year, which I think that he probably could, um, the Jays are not going to sign him to a long-term deal, um, if at all. And what that means for me, that there's a chance for they have four undrafted running backs on their roster. Um, and one of those guys could really rise to the top. And so for me personally, I'm going to watch that situation closely. And I think you should too. So... That's a situation I need. To, I think we need to monitor. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's an interesting one because I like going against hype. I do. I don't know what it is like to be a little counterculture. I, I don't know what it is about my personality, but everybody is just it's sell on the Jaguars right now. But if there were a time to get a little bit of a steal in there, you could probably do that again. Because if I'm a casual football fan who's playing fantasy and I don't really know a whole lot, I'm just going to say that team sucks. Let me stay away from it. There are 31 other NFL teams to find my talent from. Whereas I think a mature fantasy owner is just going to sit down and look at the numbers. And, and I think there are some things to like there for sure. And it's much like you said with Dalvin Cook, same thing with Leonard Fournette. When you are possibly going to be looking at losing your running back next year, you got to bring the next guy and you got to give him touches and see what he can do ahead of time before it's too late and you're just stuck with a guy without knowing his talent. All right. So next guy I want to talk about, guys, is Raheem Mostart and the 49ers backfield. Sort of as a whole, I want to talk a little bit about Tevin Coleman, uh, but not too much. Mostly Mostart is the guy for me that is, honestly, he could probably even fit into a little bit of a sleeper category. I think a lot of people are fairly big on him. 
Um, his upside would be a sleeper, but he's definitely a sneaky running back. So, so let's talk about this. First of all, last year in PPR, he finished 26th among running backs. In standard, he finished 20th. That is pretty darn good for a running back right now whose average draft position has him being taken as the 31st running back, according to fantasycalculator.com, um, which they do actually, of all the sites according to ADP, I think they're actually one of the most accurate. So I believe that that's where most people are taking him. But for me, that's too low. I think he is... I, I trust him as a very reliable running back, too. That's why I would put Raheem Mostart. And there are a lot of reasons why. First of all, we see that this is a run-first offense, and that is not going to change. Um, first of all, Jimmy Garoppolo is a fair quarterback, but he is not great. They are not winning games off of his 350 yards and four touchdowns. It's just not happening. And they were really effective on the ground. Their 2,305 rushing yards was second in the NFL. 23 rushing touchdowns is first. And 498 team rushing attempts was second. So you can see that they are a ground game team. Kyle Shanahan and everything they're doing is run first. And that's fun to watch. And I think that works really well for Raheem Mostart. And of course, we know they lost Brida. We'll talk about that in a second. But those are two solid reasons to believe that he's going to have a lot of touches and a lot of carries this year. But how effective are those carries going to be? I would say extremely effective. The San Francisco 49ers had the fourth most efficient run blocking offensive line last year in the NFL. So you know what? I would say that bodes pretty well for them. Again, it's just great to have good support up front. I don't care how talented you are. You can kind of get Todd Gurley, which is the phrase we used to talk about, you know, his second year in the NFL when he really struggled because the team around him was just awful. You need some supporting cast to help you out. And they definitely have it. I mean, this is a team that just made it to the Super Bowl. But anyways, what we like even more about that is that they lose Matt Breida. Last year, Breida had 142 touches for over 700 yards and two touchdowns. That's a lot of touches and a lot of yards that have got to go somewhere, and that's going to be split between Coleman and Mostart. I think typically most of that's going to go to Mostart. Um, here's the interesting thing, however. It was already trending towards Raheem Mostart's way as half of his 132 attempts, half of Breida's 132 attempts, to clarify, came in the first five games of the season. They started Brida, and it just wasn't working out all that much, and they just really felt that Mostart was too good. In fact, there was one point in the season, I remember talking about this in our Start Sit video, where uh, Kyle Shanahan just said, he's been too good for us not to give him the ball more. And I absolutely love when a coach says that about a guy. That is some confidence. And when a coach has confidence, we can also have some confidence in the guy. But for me, the biggest thing, hands down, the biggest reason I like this guy is his insane playoff performance. In three playoff games, he had 336 rushing yards on 6.3 yards per carry. He had five touchdowns and a monster 4.3 average yards after contact. In just those three games, he had 17 avoided tackles, and he had 10 runs of over 10 yards. He was explosive. He was physical. He was strong. He was scoring touchdowns. He was doing everything, and he did it against the Vikings, the Packers, and the Chiefs. That's a pretty tough schedule to be involved in. Again, playoffs, the final three playoffs of the game, or final three games of the season in the playoffs, was extremely effective against both the Packers and the Vikings, who had very good run defenses last year, and he ran all over them. I, uh, I don't want to remember it anymore. It's bad memories, but um, there's no reason not to like this guy. And 31st ADP right now, that is simply too low. That's why I like him, plain and simple. Rob, what do you got to say? Yeah, I like him. I thought he did really good last year. It stuck with it, worked hard. The guy's been in the league a few years. Great story. Um, I do think as, a lead, you know, as we get closer to, to the start of the season, I think his average draft position will go up. Mm -hmm. But right now, yeah, that's way too low for a guy that's, uh, I think, poised to have a great year. So let's talk about uh, my next and final player that I think is a sneaky player or under the radar, whatever you want to call it. 
Um, before I get into him, I want to talk about Todd Gurley's gone, right? He left. Uh, of course, he's in Atlanta right now. And uh, who's going to fill his shoes? Gurley takes a lot of offense with him, a lot of production with him. In fact, uh, you know how productive he was that during, um, if you look at Coach McVay while he was there, Todd Gurley in that tenure, he scored 52 touchdowns in 44 games. Phenomenal production right there, right? That offense produces fantasy studs. You look at McVay, uh, I love the guy. I think he's an offensive genius, okay? The year before he took over the Rams, uh, they were bad. Snikey inherited a great offense. In fact, the year before he took over, it was led by Fisher. They had a league-low 14 points per game. That's brutal. But since he's taken over, right, in 2019, which, by the way, was their worst year, they scored 24.6 points per game. That's 11th in the league. 2018, they scored 32.9. That was second. In 2017, 29.9 points per game. That was first. Under McVay as a coach, right, during his reign, his three-year reign that he's had, they're averaging 29.1 points per game that offense produces, bottom line. And they're going to produce again this year. They'll make adjustments. I think they'll be fine. Um, so for me, the player that's going to fill his shoes is going to be second-round running back, Cam Akers. That's what I believe. Um, I'm kind of surprised, honestly, because right now, a lot of people are looking at Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown is going to be the guys that fill his shoes. And I don't quite understand that. I could get into the production of numbers. I didn't get into it a little bit, but they have not been that effective. They haven't been that productive, efficient, you name it. They're not that good. And here's why I think Cam is sneaky. His current average draft position is 51st running back being taken. That means he's an RB5 in 12-team leagues. 51st running back in one of the most innovative offenses in the NFL where, let's be honest, he's going to become the starter there. Unless something drastically goes wrong, I think he'll become the starter there. Now, I think as we get closer to the season, like I said with Raheem Mostard, I do think his average draft position will rise and he will get better. But right now, it's not that high. My money's on him. And yet, obviously, other owners out there, for whatever reason, are just not paying attention to this guy when he's being taken 51st. Now, coming out of uh, FSU, the former second-round pick, um, you know, he didn't maybe shine like a lot of players out there, but FSU had a bad offensive line. They had a very unimaginative offensive scheme. That's not going to be the case in L.A. He's got very quick feet. He's got good hands. He's very strong in the passing game, which if you're going to be a running back in this offense, you better be able to catch the ball. You better be able to get out in space and do things with it, and he can do that. Uh, he's also got some other skills that he has there. He actually has some Wildcat skills and quarterback skills there. I think it'll be fun to watch him as a playmaker. So uh, he's a guy that right now people are overlooking. He's under the radar. He's a sneaky player, whatever you want to call it. My money is on Cam Akers to win that job and get a lot of that production that Todd Gurley left behind. Yeah, you know, that thing I want to add to this is uh, little X's and O's talking about, you know, just what that offense is like. I think there are offenses that have very talented running backs, and so they use them. That's not necessarily 100% the case with the Rams. I think they want to use their running back no matter who the guy is. That offense is built around whoever the running back on the field is. Not only do they throw to their running back a lot, they love to run the ball. They love to run it, especially in the red zone. Uh, but uh, Jared Goff actually had the most play-action passing yards last year of any quarterback in the NFL. They are extremely dependent on the guy in the backfield. And when Henderson and Malcolm Brown are averaging 3.7 and 3.8 yards per carry alike, it's clear they needed a new option. Cam Akers, for me, is a very exciting pick. One of the things that people were always saying about him in college and uh, was just his production behind a bad offensive line and how consistent he was. I think it's easy to have big games in college. It really is. Sometimes you just play that crappy school and you beat up on them and it's great. But what happens when you've got a bad offensive line and you play a good football team? Well, he still managed to produce and that level of consistency suggests he could be a real stud in the NFL. So the last guy I want to talk about in this video is James White, a guy who's really not exciting right now. After Tom Brady leaves and it looks like the Patriots are in a little bit of just 
kind of in shambles right now, at least compared to where we've seen them in the past. Um, seems a little bit dysfunctional. I think a lot of people are just their sell, their complete sell on the Patriots, but I think they're overselling just a little bit. While I don't think James White is the absolute stud of the NFL that he has been, remember one year he finished seventh in fantasy scoring among running backs in PPR scoring. So yeah, he has had some real high highs in his career. Um, yeah, I don't think he's going to hit that point. He still definitely has a value. So let's talk about what his value is going to be like. Right now, his ADP has him as the 37th running back off the board. So I checked that. I was curious. Oh, this must be standard. No, that's PPR. For a guy who had over 70 catches last year, he finished as the 19th fantasy uh, running back in PPR scoring. So people are essentially saying, hey, we think he's going to be half as good this year as he was last year. And I just don't think that's the case. Yes, this offense is not going to be what it was now that Tom Brady is gone. Tom Brady hasn't been an absolute monster, and I've talked about in the last few videos. But uh, but really, this guy's been very productive. Again, he finished seventh among running backs the year before in PPR scoring. And again, I should clarify, this pick is mostly PPR. In a standard league, he very, has very little value. But I did want to talk about him because PPR is becoming more and more common. And I think being able to study these guys and look at guys just purely for their catches is important. But uh he had a great year the last couple of years. He's been very productive, and he's been productive very efficiently. His 1.43 fantasy points per touch were first among qualifying running backs. And by qualifying, I just mean running backs that have had enough touches. There were a few guys who had like four or five touches and a touchdown. I was like, not really a fair comparison, so we kind of cut them out of the list. And of course, he's been able to be that efficient and have that many fantasy points per touch. He had 90 targets, 72 catches, over 600 yards, and five TDs off 80% catch percentage and 110 passer rating generated. He has been unbelievably productive in the passing game. For that reason alone, he's going to be a volume guy. He's one of the few pieces left there with Julian Edelman. He is going to get so many targets. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get more than 90 targets next year. And that's going to turn into catches. I mean, heck, catches alone, he's got you 72 points last year. Yes, that offense is a concern for me, but the way I see it, we've got a couple scenarios that can happen. One, that team struggles, they fall apart, and things are a mess, but he gets garbage time stats, and a lot of targets is one of the few talented players out there. Or two, we find out that the Patriots have got a few more tricks up their sleeve, and they're as talented as they've ever been, and then we've got no concerns and nothing to complain about. What I do know for sure is you've either got a young starting quarterback in Jarrett Stidham, who has thrown just four career passes, or a veteran quarterback in Brian Hoyer, who has changed teams nine times in his NFL career. I can tell you something right now, both of those guys will be looking for a safety blanket when they get out on the field, and that is going to be James White. So in a standard league, I'm not very huge on him, but in a PPR league, as a safe pick to round out your running backs, as a high running back three or a low running back two, that looks pretty good to me. I'll definitely take James White. What do you think about that, Rob? Yeah, like him, you know, he's not pretty, not exciting pick, you know, he's not a great dynasty league, you name. There's all sorts of things to, to not, not get excited for, but I think sometimes we want to hit the home run, but sometimes you can win a championship by, you know, putting together a couple singles, right? And a guy like him, uh, don't underestimate the value that he can have to push you over that edge. So, yeah, I like him. Uh, sitting here thinking about it, and uh, it's nice to get back to doing videos. Uh, I think this is the first video I've done since maybe December, wasn't yeah. it? Uh, it's been a long time, but it's good to talk football. I can't wait for the fall to come.
and uh, yeah so well we it's nice to have you back in the videos it's uh nice not have to do all the research to cut it in half and honestly i feel better now just talking about three guys i felt like i was able to really break them down a little bit better but uh anyways it's nice to have you back and guys thank you so much for watching we appreciate your support and as always leave some comments down below i've been trying to do my best to answer them i've been working a lot but uh usually on my break and on my way home and stuff like that i'm trying to check and answer some comments but uh as always, guys, thank you so much. You have a great day and God bless.